This is a really easy message. This is straightforward. This is just a message about being content. About being content. What is content? What does it mean, contentment? It means to be happy with what we have. Don't confuse it with happiness. It's not being happy. It's being happy with what we have. Uh, I love church signs. You guys ever see the church marquee? You drive by and you see those wonderful words of wisdom or comical. I love those. I pass by one right over here every morning on the way, or every Sunday on the way to HV. It's got some good words up there. There's a Presbyterian church in Bellevue where my son and I live. They have great words of wisdom on there. I'm not gonna risk misquoting it and butchering it for you, but one I will quote is when I was growing up about the age of 10 at my grandma Dorothy's house in Missouri, she lived near a church. And this church's marquee said this, contentment is true wealth. I have quoted that almost every day since. I quoted it when I didn't know what it meant, I quoted it when I thought I knew what it meant, and I quote it now that I know what it means. That contentment is true wealth. We see here in Paul's writing, he says, I am content. He's happy with what he has. So what does Paul have? At the bookends of this scripture this morning, he says in verse 10, but I rejoiced in the Lord. At the end, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What Paul has, what is at the center of his life, what his identity is in, is in his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is at the top of his list. That is what Paul has. May I please remind you, Philippians 1, verse 1, his first word says what? Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ. That is his master. That's what he has. That's what I have. That's what I hope all of you, most of you, some of you have, that Christ Jesus is your master in heaven. And if you're a part of that, Everything else is going to be okay. We will go through highs and lows. But as Christ at the center of our life, everything else is fine. It really is all good. I'm sure there is someone or a few of you here today that that is not the case, that Jesus is not the Lord of your life. If that is for you, if your heart beats as I speak those words to you, please, I encourage you. Come find me. I'd love to chat with you. Come find Joshua. Find Gentry. Find Muriel. Find, find Taylor Barnett. Find Alex Newsom. that's right there in the back. Find these people. And we would be glad to speak with you about that. How eternal life starts the moment you accept Christ Jesus. So Paul has Christ Jesus. That's the center of what's going on with him. That's why he says that I rejoice in the Lord. But he also says these words, he says, I've learned to be content. He says, I've learned. I've learned how to be high. I've learned how to be low. I've learned how to be abased. I've learned how to abound. I've been full. 
I've been hungry. I've been humbled. I've been in prosperity. He says, I've been there. I've been there. So what has he learned? On Thursdays, what we do at Ethos is we have what's called a teaching team, and I gather with a bunch of people in a room who are way more intelligent and gifted than I am, and I said, here's what I'm gonna do in this teaching. The Lord's laid an easy word on my heart. I feel like this is pretty easy to speak to. Now, what I'm not gonna do, which is very comfortable for me, is to take 50 scripture verses and, and point this one out and point this one out and say, like, well, this actually connects here, and if you look here, it goes all the way around to there. See, I said, I'm not gonna do that. And at some counsel, that's exactly what I'm gonna do. It is in the Bible, so I'm gonna do that. So when Paul says, I've learned, what's he talking about? How has he learned? So we look in what's also a history book. This gives the account of it all, and one of the things in there is what Paul's saying he's learned. We, we see what he's gone through in here. So what has Paul gone, gone through when we see him with his walk through the scriptures? So Paul is a Hebrew of Hebrews in his former life a Pharisee of Pharisees of the tribe of Benjamin, raised up by one of the greatest teachers in the Sanhedrin, formerly known as Saul, and at a time before his conversion, he's persecuting men, women, and children of the church, putting them in jail. He's, he's walking on this road, to, he's walking on this road to Damascus. A sun shines from heaven so bright it blinds him, it takes him to his knees. There's witnesses around him that, that, that are a part of it. He hears the resurrected Jesus say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Ananias kind of drags him off to his headquarters. He feeds him, something like scales falls from his eyes. He's baptized, the scripture says he was strengthened. And then he went to the synagogues and immediately preached Christ. And then we see all these highs and lows that he's gone through. We see him link up with Lydia in the book of Acts, a seller of purple, probably had decent amount of money selling those things, probably had some nice digs, a nice pad, probably had some good shelter, some good food, maybe even a little help around. But then we see the low where he gets in shipwrecked on the Isle of Malta says they hadn't seen the sun, the moon, the stars for days. There was no compasses back then. There was no GPS back then. They depended upon that. They thought, we're gonna die. I can imagine what Lois, Timothy's mom, what her situation might have been to provide for them, to have food and shelter. I could only imagine the nights that he had the earth as his bed. A tree as a shelter, maybe a brook nearby for some water. He's been in prison at times where he's stood before Agrippa. He stood before Nero. He's been in prison at other times where actually an angel set him free and he said, you're good to go. But yet he still has time to tell a Philippian jailer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household will be saved. Paul says, I've been high. I've been low. Psalm 23, we went through it verse by verse a few months back. Ye though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. 
You are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. The shepherd leads the sheep through the peaks and valleys of life, directing him with his staff that comforts him along the way. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. Paul is content. He's learned how to be hungry. He's learned how to be full. So church, are we content? Are we content? College is back in for many of you. Back in. Maybe your summer was a bless. Maybe it was a stress when you were home. Maybe you had the opportunity to be around familiar friends and family. Meal was always provided on the table. Thermostat set at 65 because I ain't paying for it. <laughs> Comfort zone, but now you're back in college. And now the curriculum and the studies, the difference between a junior year and a senior year. You know what I'm talking about? The difference between a freshman year and a sophomore year. Maybe you're a young adult. Maybe you've never been to college. Maybe you're in the music industry and you're trying to just look for that next cut, that next break. I've never been to college. How long, oh Lord? Maybe you're fresh out of college and for the first time you're stepping into a real W-2. Maybe you actually got the financial belt of mom and dad not loosened but actually off. And now you're stepping into the waters of real independent financial stability. The, the, the actual pressures that come with a real job. <clears throat> That's not what chapter 12 said to do. Chapter 12 said to do this. What is this? How do I handle that? Maybe you're um, a young parent. A lot of ears just perked up right there. Let me tell you this. <clears throat> Being a young parent, the sleeping schedule alone is enough to make you crack. Can I get an amen? amen? About four or five. How does that work being a new parent? How does that work? What's that lump on your ear? Why is your left eye red? 102 fever. Can we give him Tylenol? Do we not give him Tylenol? Tomorrow's Tuesday. It's your day. I got this thing. What do we do? Did I just shake my kid when he was all colicky? How does that work? I've never done this. What's up, big dog? Young parent. <laughs> Maybe you're like me. Maybe you're a single parent and you've got a, a kid that's coming into preteen years. My son's 12. And maybe you're trying to figure out, is it good choices, good consequences, or rebellion? Which is it? I haven't been a real good parent these last couple weeks. I gotta be honest with you. I've been very quick to speak. I've been too slow to listen. I've had some outbursts of wrath. Maybe, um, maybe you're an older parent. Maybe you're the one that actually dropped your kids off to college. Maybe you had the chatter in the car on the way here, and now we're left to the, the thoughts on the way home that are in our head or bot radio, if you can pick it up. Maybe you were complaining a little bit internally about the dirty socks on the floor and just taking another meal in, but now that they're gone, oh, I'd do anything to just have that meal again. Empty nest syndrome, that's a real thing. Maybe you were forced into retirement and you weren't planning for that. 
Maybe you're a grandparent. Maybe you're a grandparent and you have the high of a, a new infant that's come into the family, right? Mmm, that baby smell. But then at the same time, at the same time, you're transitioning your parents for their steps into eternity. And for the first time as a grandparent or a person, my air quotes, over the age of 65 or so, and now you're preparing your parents to where you're parenting them. These are highs and lows. And when Jesus Christ is at the center of it, it's okay. I am content. I am very content. I am beyond blessed and happy with what I have. Jesus Christ is the one name on my list of whom my hope, trust, and identity is in. There is no name under heaven that's above his in my life. I've been on the highs. I've been on the highs, man. Let me tell you, another story for another time, but there was a time in my life. I come from live music entertainment. That's what I did for my career before I stood up here. Let me tell you, private jets and G4s, they was a daily thing to me. Any of you, if you're in the music industry, you know the words A party, B party, C party. You know what those terms mean. I was the A party. That's the highest number on the laminate. Money, never a problem. Never checked my bank account. There was no need to. I could never spend any, all of it. There was never any need, ever, ever. I had the mansion. The mansion. I had the wife. I had the family. I had the gigs. I stopped calling the gigs. They called me. I've been on the high. And then I've been on the low. I lost all my money. I lost my 3,900 square foot home. I lost my wife. I lost my sanity for a bit, for a good bit. But what happened was the Lord meets you there. And what he did was he carved me up like a pumpkin and he took all that gook that was inside the pumpkin and he got rid of it. He, he set his light inside me. He put me on the porch to let me shine for the whole neighborhood. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. See, what I learned in those highs and lows was that you can't store your riches on earth. Jesus says in Matthew 6, he says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but... Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Think about that. It's either true or it's not. And I promise you, on the authority of the word of God, it's true. I've been there. Job, Job chapter one, what's he say? Naked I came, naked I go. Billy Graham used to say this. He used to say, when you see the hearst driving up to the graveyard, 
There's no U-Hauls being pulled behind the hearse. You can't take any of this with you. You can't take your new era hats, you can't take your tattoos, and you can't take your Nikes. You can't take anything with us. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. For he'll either love the one or hate the other, or he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon just means the God of money. Your Bible might just say money. You can't serve both. You gotta choose. Choose this day whom you will serve. Me? Paul? You? I serve a king and a kingdom. My king washes the disciples of his feet, or washes the feet of his disciples. <laughs> Lost the weight on that one. <laughs> My king rode lowly on a donkey. My king looked his murderers in the face and he said, forgive them. They know not what they do. But as Paul continually preaches the day of Christ, the day of Christ, the day of Christ, when he comes back, it won't be on a donkey. It'll be on a white horse. He's going to have a crown. His name is faithful and true. His robe is dipped in blood and a sword comes out of his mouth. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will praise him. This is why Paul is saying in the, in the 13th verse of Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's, there's this kind of teaching in the Bible of this like, strengthening people of how it works in the Bible. It kind of looks like suffering, but it's, it's like really, it's pruning is what it is. You, you, you read this book and you go through here and you will find hundreds of people that are pruned and strengthened by God. Hundreds. Uh, probably one of the most notable ones we all know is Moses. Moses was born had a death sentence on him the day he was born, sent down the river in a basket, got linked up with Pharaoh's family, chose rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God to endure the passing pleasures of sin for a season. He, he leaves, he, he comes to God face to face, he like can't really handle it. He spends his own time in the, in the wilderness on his own and God says, I want you to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. He says, I can't do that. I'm a murderer, Exodus 2. I have, I, I, I'm not good in speech. I can't speak well. God says, I'll speak for you. Don't worry. He says, take your brother Aaron. He's eloquent in speech. And so what did Moses do? We know, you all know the story. He went to Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. You, you see this scenario back with Paul in 2 Corinthians, the thorn in the flesh, right? We've all kind of heard that story, a lot of us. In 2 Corinthians 12, there's this thorn in Paul's flesh. Whatever it is, it's killing him. 
Not only that, but a messenger of Satan is given to beat him with it. He calls on Messiah three times to no avail. And finally, finally, Messiah ben David, Jesus answers and says what? My grace is sufficient for you. He says, my strength is projected in your weakness. So what does Paul say in verses 9 and 10 in 2 Corinthians 12? Oh, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul's like, okay, now I get it. I get it. I got it. I see how God strengthens. This is what Jesus says, is it not? Jesus says in John 15, 2, Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Anybody get a haircut lately? You get it so it grows back. Jesus went through this. Fully man, fully God. Completely man, completely God. Luke chapter four, Jesus is being tempted 40 days by the devil. He ate nothing, and afterward when it was ended, scripture says he was hungry. He's putting his human nature on full display. He's in a low moment, in a weak moment, and who comes along? Satan, sharpening his teeth against him. And what does he say? He caters to his weakness. And Satan says, if you are the son of God, command these stones to turn into bread. Jesus says, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word of God. That is Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse three. He draws his strength from God, from his word. God's in control. He's not out of it. We've talked about it a few times in this, in this series where Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He, he's in the garden. He's, you know, it's the night of the, where they're going to take him in Luke 22. And it says Jesus, <clears throat> being in agony, sweat drops of blood, prayed more earnestly, that the Father's will would be done and not his. And an angel appeared to him, strengthening him. God meets him in that low moment, fully human in those moments. Guys, the same creator who gives us life gives us our strength. The same savior who gives us new life gives us new strength. Satan will offer us false riches of this world if we bow down to him, but God will meet you in those moments. He will meet you there. It's kind of weird, but that's how he works through scripture. Do you hear me? I was meeting with a friend of mine this week. We've been trying to catch up for a while. We finally caught up, and a good friend of mine in... Um, I'm like, dude, what's been happening? What have you been up to? What's been going on? 
And uh, he starts telling me a little bit, you know, he's like, lost my job. I lost this relationship I was in. I'm going into my senior year and I don't know, dude. And I was like, bro, like, you're really getting it. You're getting really kicked in the teeth right now. This dude looks at me and he has this kind of like look in his eye, like he's smiling. And he says, there's kind of a beauty to it though. Dude, my hair stood up just now telling it. I was like, ooh, I just heard the Holy Spirit speak. I just heard the Holy Spirit speak. That's how he does it. That's how he does it. More scripture. Everybody ever heard Jeremiah 29, verse 11? Everybody hear that verse? God says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. We kind of know that, right? That's a good one to, whew, that's a good one. So I got a homework assignment for you. Here's your homework assignment. Go read Jeremiah 29 from the beginning. Read what goes on before that. And I'll give you the answer now so when you reflect later, there'll be more clarity, praise Lord. But when you read Jeremiah 29 from the beginning, you know what's happening before that said? Anybody know? Here's what's happening and I'll tell you. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all whom were carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon, which I have caused you to do. So God tells them that I'm gonna carry you away from the land I set you in into Babylon, pagan central, because you weren't obedient in me. You didn't abide in me. He says there, but listen to this. While you're here, he says this. Build houses, dwell in them, plant gardens, eat their fruit, take wives and husbands and beget sons and daughters. Their sons and daughters take wives and husbands and have more children. So you may be increased there. And then he says, seek the peace of the city that you may be increased and that you will have peace. Then he says in Jeremiah 29, 11, then he says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And the very next verse after that, he says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. Do you see the equation? It's kind of like this, man. God can do anything he wants, right? We don't pretend to understand the infinite creator as the finite creation. I'm okay with not understanding God between here. The day I do is the same day I have no need for him, and that just ain't gonna happen. But when you look at the story of the Bible, that God was on his throne in heaven, ruling, 
and he left his throne. He came down to the earth in the form of a fleshly man. He walked among us. He dwelt among us. He tabernacled among us. He lived a holy, perfect, separated, sinless life. He was falsely persecuted, falsely crucified, buried, raised from the grave three days later after he gave dozens of prophecies that he would do it. And then he says, whoever follows me shall not perish, but have what? What? Eternal life. God had a plan for Moses. He had a plan for Israel. He had a plan for Paul. He has a plan for this church. He has a plan for me. And he has a plan for you. For you. Paul says, do as I do. That's what Paul's been saying. Put God at the center of your plans. Is that not what he is teaching to the church at Philippi? That's what this series he's been saying, man. Bondservant of Jesus Christ. So that's why when he says in verse 13 of this chapter, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Strengthens definition just got a whole lot wider, didn't it? So stick with me here. I have four questions for you that are going to be on the screen behind me here, okay? Now stay with me, all right? These all have question marks at the end of them. And what we're going to do is I'm going to ask you these questions. Stay with me. And then what I want to do is I'm going to break. We're going to have everybody be invited to split up in just some groups beside you. I'm going to be totally candid with you. When Josh and Gentry would get up here and be like, we're going to split up into groups of people around you and talk, I was like, no, I just don't want to, but I know I have to because I'm on staff here and I should. Dude, the first time I did it, it was so enlightening, and I just love it. I was like, okay, this is great. I really encourage you because what happens is someone beside you may give you a word, someone you may give a word to, okay? Here's the four questions. The first question is, who or what is your identity in? If you're unsure of that, just look at your calendar or look at that app on your phone that shows you what you're looking at all the time, and that'll tell you who your identity is in. Is your identity in Christ, like Paul's? Is your identity in yourself? Is it in others? Is your identity in social media? Are you trending with God? Or are you trending on TikTok? <laughs> do you check the likes on your Instagram account or do you check his likes? Is your identity in your sexuality? Your gender? Is it in your phone, your screen? Is our identity in money, in your career, and success is your identity in how others see you and how physically fit you are? Your physical appearance is your identity in your marriage. Do you love your spouse more than you love Christ Jesus? Tough apple, that's idolatry. Is your identity in your parents or your children? 
I was born to be a parent. Really? Is your identity in your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your fraternity, your sorority? Is your identity in your education or your knowledge? Are you puffed up on knowledge? I struggle with that. Is your identity in your tattoos, your hats, your fashion? Who or what is your identity in? That's the first question. The next question is, are you high or low? Right now, are you full or are you hungry? Maybe you're somewhere in the middle. Maybe you're on the way up or you're on the way down. And then here's the two questions to ask when you're with your fellow people around you, the church, the called ones. Who do you give praise when you're high? And who gives you strength when you're low? That's the real question. The first two are to kind of stir your heart and direct which way you're looking. And then the question is, who do you give praise when you're high? And who gives you strength with your low? Think about those questions. And then what we're going to do is circle up into some groups for about five, seven minutes talk about it. When we come back, we're going to do communion as a church together. Okay? This is invitational. If you don't want to, you don't have to. That's totally fine. Sit and just let it meditate on your heart for a little bit. Do that. Circle up. I'll call you back in about five or seven minutes, and we'll break bread together. Okay? Go. Go.